Welcome to a special Safe Flight Skate Space here on the day after the regular season. The Blue Jackets firing head coach Brad Larson and not renewing the contract of the goaltending coach Manny Legacy. It was announced early this morning that that is the case. Yarmo Kekalainen just got done talking to the media just a few moments ago about these very things, and uh, now we are going to talk with you about it. So if you have any questions, anything you'd like to say, you can just request to be a speaker. We'll bring you up, and you can do that. But uh, first, let's get the opening statement from Yarmo Kekalainen in the press conference just a few minutes ago. It's an unfortunate situation for all of us, and um, you know we, we do our evaluation every day here. We watch every practice. We watch... Uh, closely try to watch closely what's going on in the locker room and 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 we're communicating with the coaches every day and and that's um, how we do our evaluations on 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 what goes on with our team and and especially the direction we want to take with our team and we came to the conclusion that that this was uh, absolutely a necessary change that we needed to make and um, that's that's why we're here today. Jarmo Kekalainen Blue Jackets general manager talking about the day-to-day evaluation of his team and that he felt this coaching change was necessary right now. I am joined by Dylan Tyre and Jeff Sabota, the Jackets insider, right now. And, uh, guys, your reaction. I think we all kind of were wondering last night, not kind of, we were definitely wondering last night after Brad Larson's postgame press conference, his demeanor, his tone, the, the things he said, the way that they said him, really gave you the idea that this might be it for him. And it turns out this morning that it is. Dylan, I'll start with you. Uh, thoughts on this change coming at this time? I think it's just a culture thing, right? The transition, the point of the transition from John Tortorella to Brad Larson a couple of years ago, they talked about it being kind of a continuation, some of the same ideas, the same ideals, the uh, the same culture in that dressing room. And I think the Blue Jackets kind of got away from that. You always talk about that you don't want to accept losing. You don't want it to become the norm. Well, a lot of things happened for the Columbus Blue Jackets this season where it was hard to avoid losing, but there was kind of a feel in that room that it had become the norm, so I think you just need to start new, and there are hungry veterans in that room that are sick of losing, right? You just have to make a change to get this thing back on the rails, back on track, however you want to put it, and to me it comes down to that. It's not necessarily X's and O's or anything like that. I think the Blue Jackets just need a little bit more structure, rigidity in that room like John Tortorella did provide. I think they just got away from that. And my thought is just I'm curious as to when the decision was made because just listening to Yarmo Kekalainen, and I think it kind of points to what Dylan Tyre said as far as culture. It felt like Yarmo had made this decision a while back. Like this was not something they came to the, the conclusion of last night. Just listening to him talk, it, it seemed to me that he really felt as though changes were necessary. I mean, he used the word necessary a number of times as far as uh, this has to go in a different direction. And so um, he said that, you know, their evaluation would not be on wins and losses, especially because of all the injuries they had this year. And so if it wasn't on wins and losses, that meant other things were at play. And if they still felt they had to make a change, that means that it felt like they really had to get this thing going in a different direction, whatever it be, culture, whatever it is. I think there was frustration with where this was headed, and uh, it sounds as though dramatic action was was necessary and what they wanted. So. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point by you in bringing that up, that it did kind of have that feeling that this had been something that was coming for a while. Yarmo Kekalainen and those guys had talked about it, decided on it, and then just kind of played out the season. So he wouldn't get into the specifics with the timeline or anything like that, out of respect for the coaching staff, which I absolutely understand. But 
it would be interesting to be a fly on the wall in some of those meetings and figure out when they did come to that decision this year because, you know, it's it's pretty interesting if they came to it, you know, relatively early in the year or halfway through the year um, because it didn't necessarily sound like it came down to the wire or anything like that. So what the specific reasons were, maybe some examples of what they thought was wrong, it'll definitely be addressed and we'll figure it out quickly with whoever they hire next because I guarantee you it'll be somebody that does all the things that they're looking for. All right, again, if you'd like to comment on this, you have any questions about the situation, if you're with us on Twitter Spaces right now, all you have to do is request to be a speaker. We'll bring you on. Uh, Right now, I would like to bring on Jeff Rimmer, who's the television voice of the Blue Jackets. Uh, And Jeff, uh, first of all, your thoughts. I mean, this is something we've speculated, talked about for a while to try to figure out what was going to happen here, and today we find out. Well, I I can't say I'm surprised, and... Uh, obviously, questions have been asked of General Manager Jarmo Kekalainen uh, as to would there be a coaching change. And, of course, uh, over the course of the last few weeks, uh, he indicated if there's a coaching change, it won't be uh, necessarily because of wins and losses. But looking back on it, I really believe that uh, management, and specifically Jarmo, uh, felt that uh, a change needed to be made it, made specifically because I think that uh, there has to be some accountability and I wonder about the accountability and I'm not going to get into naming names, but you can just look at the hockey team and in particular certain players that uh, maybe uh, could have performed better, didn't perform better and there were side issues, etc. And I think it just came to the final conclusion of the organization that a change needed to be made. You know, Jeff, we were just talking about just wondering when the decision came, if it if it was recent, if it was a while ago. And, you know, as uh, Dylan and Jeff were talking about that, I was just running through my mind at different points during the season. And, and the one point that jumps out to me is that Buffalo game that happened here at Nationwide Arena the night that Tage Thompson had the five goals in the game. And uh, I think it was that night it was – there was extra time before Brad Larson came out for his press conference. Um, I'm not saying it was just one event, but I think it's kind of what you were talking about, right? It was just uh, kind of a, a buildup of events and performances, and uh, it may not be totally on wins and losses, but um, probably in some of those losses and the way those losses went down, I would imagine uh, factored into some of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you can look back on any number of games, uh, it was interesting that on more than one occasion here in the press conference this morning, Yarmo indicated they watch everything. They watch what goes on in the room uh, amongst the players. They obviously watch uh, practices. And I think that uh, in some cases we watch practices, you and I, Bob, and, and certainly Dylan and Jeff, and certain things aren't happening in practices that uh, perhaps need to be uh, done during practices and I think that too was uh, part of the evaluation in a big way and I think that uh, perhaps the Jackets practice uh, uh, purposes weren't necessarily uh, the way that uh, management and obviously uh, senior management wanted to see they didn't like what they were seeing yeah and and to follow up on that I'll be like you Jeff I'm not going to name names but somebody said to me throughout the course of the year that when you compared Last year's training camp to this year's training camp, when you compared last year's practices to this year's practices, that it didn't seem like they were as hard this year as they were last year. And and, and when you're coming off the Tortorella era and everything is hard 
and you go into a new era and you're trying to extend that and everything is hard and then you overachieve and you have a good season, I guess the question would be, why would you ever back it down? I mean, I know your personnel has changed. I, I get that. You're, and you're playing with a lot of young kids, but that to me is even more of a reason to crank it up. I mean, don't back it off because these kids have got to learn what it's going to take to play in the NHL. That's a good point. And remember what Brad Larson always talked about. It was raising the standard. That's what he talked about at the end of last season was that we need to raise the standard. At the beginning of this season, it was we need to raise the standard. And that just didn't happen for the Columbus Blue Jackets this season. And it's in the habits that that Jeff Rimmer is talking about. I think the practices for the Blue Jackets weren't as crisp this season. How many times do we say Brad Larson say, come on, guys, let's pick it up. We need to do this better at practice. It's something that I wasn't really used to seeing with the Blue Jackets. How many times did Torts have to talk to the guys and tell them to, you know, liven up at practice? Or how many times did Brad Larson have to do that last year? It's just, it's going back to that culture thing where you, you just kind of get in that rhythm of losing games and you're losing players to injury. There wasn't necessarily you know, that fire and that tenacity and going back to what you said, Bob, and what I started with, the rigidity of what the Blue Jackets had grown used to with John Tortorella. And I think some of that may have to do with, you know, you're disappointed when you have so many players. Right. You're, you're disappointed when you know your season's over in November. I, I totally get that. But, uh, you know, Jeff Rimmer, look at the Chicago Blackhawks and what Luke Richardson did there with the team. There was, there was never an excuse. Uh, they knew they were going to be bad going into it. They continually got better from beginning to end, and, you know, I just look at that as an example of what Dylan was just talking about with that that structure and that, um, you know, just this is the way we are as an organization, and, and it did seem to slip. There's no question it did, and I, I want to say this first and foremost. Brad Larson is, is a terrific person, yep. and I, I think he maybe, in retrospect, we know, and you talked about uh, John Tortorella a few moments ago, we know that the coaching relationship between Tortorella and his players at times got <clears throat> pretty nasty. And uh, specifically, he went after certain players that he didn't think were performing up to capabilities, not only in games, but in practice. <clears throat> and I think that Brad Larson uh, perhaps uh, was, for lack of a better word, uh, too nice to some of these players that, again, we're not going to name and he didn't get the maximum effort, nor I go to that accountability again. The accountability wasn't there, and the bottom line is certainly management was uh, aware of that, just watching, <clears throat> excuse me, the performance on the ice or during practice especially. And again, that's something that Yarmo hit on a couple of times in the press conference, and that is they evaluated every practice. <clears throat> yeah, and, and before we get uh, some listeners on, which we're going to do in just a second, I want to ask uh, uh, Jeff Sabota, what Jeff just said about uh, Brad Larson, he is a, a, a great human being. He's a quality human being. And that's what gets lost in all these firings. Manny Legacy, look, he's a good friend of mine. I, I'll miss having this guy around. But I get it. It's a business. You know, your guys aren't performing. You're tied to those guys. This is what happens in professional sports. I understand all of that. So uh, let's not get lost in the fact that these are two good people that were doing a good job for this organization for a long time in the American Hockey League and then in the National Hockey League. But that being said, it would be very easy to go back and say, well, you know, this lasted only two years. Why did you do this to begin with when Tortorella left? But at the time, it was the right decision. You had a team that was going into a development mode. You had a coach that was a development coach, and it made sense, and that's why they did what they did, and it worked last year. And this year, it didn't work, but even saying that, 
you're coming out a little bit. You're coming out of that development phase here. Kent Johnson finishes the year with 40 points. He had a good year. He got better as it went along. Kirill Marchenko finished with the 21 goals. Those were two guys that Yarmo pointed out in the press conference. It's time to take another step. And so what made sense two years ago just doesn't necessarily make sense right now. Yeah, I would agree with everything you just said, and I'll start by reiterating your point about them being two fantastic human beings, and that is something that does occasionally get lost in these types of things. And uh, so I, I appreciate you bringing that up, and you think about Brad Larson being here. He was hurt in this organization in 2010 to work down in Springfield, has been with the NHL team since 2014. That, that doesn't happen a ton in the NHL. And so I think that speaks to, <clears throat> you know, him being both a good coach and a good person for him to be here as long as he was. But um, it also speaks to that eventually changes have to be made. And in this situation, I, I agree that when, you know, Tortorella leaves and you're in a situation where you feel like you've got a young team, a reset happening, you wanted someone that you felt comfortable <clears throat> having the ability to work with young players, and Brad Larson had done that down in Cleveland uh, and had some success as well with Springfield at the time, um, but down at the, the AHL level. Uh, but I do agree yeah, where you really had a coach because that place is a dump. Yeah, like if you're I, in Cleveland, yeah. it's one yeah. thing. <laughs> Springfield's a dump. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. I can only imagine. So you know they, they knew he had had some success in that way, and, and as you look at it last year, you would have you know felt like this was you know a pretty strong move. But uh, you know this was a year where everything that felt like it could go wrong did go wrong. But I, you know Brad Larson talked all season about you're making evaluations as how how do people handle those situations when things are going wrong. It sounds like Yarmo Kekalina was doing the same thing with Brad Larson, and the evaluation was, uh, you know, we need this to go a different direction. And I do agree that you're at a point now where some of these players are starting to get older, and, and we've seen so many young players play these last couple of years, and, and you've gotten some positive evaluations. I think you've probably gotten some negative evaluations on some of these guys. I think this is now the situation where you're going to start making decisions on some of these guys. You're going to really start consolidating this into the team you think is going to be your next good team, and you want that coach that's going to be the coach that's going to take that team to the next level. Absolutely right. And uh, and again, Yarmo has said numerous times he doesn't want this to be the youngest team in the league anymore. Yeah. Right? And, and it can't be. It can't be if if you want to win. Mr. Union Blue is first up to uh, ask a question or make a comment, whatever you want to do, and uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Um, definitely a shocker, a bit of a shocker for this to happen this morning. I don't know if really many of us were expecting this to happen the day after the regular season ended, but um, – some of the points that you guys brought up uh, kind of um, brought a question to my mind, and that's what changed in between this season and last season, uh, especially compared to the training camp and um, the way that we were talking about how practices weren't quite as intense. I mean, it, it seemed like last year we had a lot of great success. Everybody was well prepared for the season. But coming into this year, just like you all said, it really didn't see that that same level of preparedness, and it, it really did impact the team's performance. Did we – see something change from the coaching philosophy. I just really don't understand the departure from that between one season to the next. Uh, let's, Jeff Rimmer, you want to attack that? Yeah, I'll, I'll attack it. And it's really, really simple. All right. Brad Larson, again, we talked about the quality that uh, he has. I think he was too light on the players. I'm not saying you need John Tortorella 2.0. But I think something after last year's success and the team, as discussed here earlier, overachieved, I think Brad gave the players a little more rope. And some players took advantage of that. And plain and simple, that's what I believe led management to want to make a change because Brad got a little bit too close to some of these players and maybe wasn't holding them accountable the way they needed to be held accountable. And you can look around the team and you can pretty well judge 
without naming names, who needed uh, to be a little more accountable and who he needed to be a little more accountable to. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I think that, um, you know, adding Johnny Gaudreau made a difference too, I think, because it, it kind of changed things. Everybody got a little bit ahead of themselves Yeah. Uh, this year. And, you know, uh, I think the team, you know, everybody started anticipating things that, quite frankly, they weren't ready to uh, – Heights they weren't ready to reach yet. I want to, yeah. Like I was going to bring something similar to that up because I want to ask you guys and talk about it a little bit. It's like you think about how the Blue Jackets finished last year. They probably overachieved, but the fans, the players, everybody thought the Blue Jackets would be a more competitive team this season because everybody thinks on an upward traje- trajectory, right? You want to be hopeful, and then you sign Johnny Gaudreau and you make some other moves, and you have Kent Johnson, you've got Kirill Marchenko coming over from the KHL. You're like, okay, the Blue Jackets could make some noise this season. Uh, you know, Elvis Merzlikens is going to be the Blue Jackets' number one this year with his big contract, everything like that. And then the season starts the way it did, where you lose some games, it's a tough start, then guys start to get hurt, and then that kind of brings you to the point in the season where it's like, okay, it's going to go one way or it's going to go the other way. We're either going to show some backbone, show some spine here, and finish strong, or it's going to go downhill. And, you know, it goes back to the accountability that Jeff Rimmers talked about a little bit. And it also goes to that December 7th game against the Buffalo Sabres, I think, where you look at maybe that's the point in the season where, okay, we're going to put our foot in the ground and say, we're going up from here, or we're going to go the other direction. And the Blue Jackets lose on national TV in that game. Remember, it was on TNT. And... Then the season... I've tried to forget everything about that game, by the way. And then the, then the season goes downhill in the other direction from there where it's things start to snowball. And I think all of this kind of comes together and it just goes back to the culture thing that we're talking about. Things just got a little bit too loose. Things snowballed. Everybody kind of accepted the failure as the season went on. And, you know, there are specific players in that room that want to win, like I said earlier. Nobody wants to accept failure, but... When you're just in this endless cycle of losing players, losing games, losing more players, losing games, there's nowhere to gain a foothold, and I think that's just what happened. Like, I, I just feel like that's what happened. <laughs> well, I remember a year ago on this day, I asked Brad Larson on the the exit interview day uh, about, you know, th- last year exceeded expectations, and I think everybody, and this is even before Johnny Gaudreau, but you you think, oh, this team was better than we thought. Yes. Next year they're they're young, they're going to get better. You it's know, the I'm, natural way to think. Yeah, I remember yeah. us talking on Skate Space at the end of last year. Is this a playoff team next year? Yeah. And you start thinking about that going there. But I, you know, I've been around sports long enough. So, you know, these things don't go on a yep. on a linear path. They, they're, sometimes you, there's fits and starts. They go up and down a little bit. And I asked Brad Larson, like, they're probably going to face some adversity next year. You didn't face this year. You know, how important is it that you guys are going to be able to handle that? And he talked at length about he knew. He said the same thing. You know, these things don't follow, you know, the straight line. You know, there's going to be ups and downs. We're going to have to be able to handle that, things like that. So he knew kind of some of this. Now, who could have predicted 500-some man games, lost injuries, et cetera, et cetera. But the big test of the season, I, I thought, was going to be, you know, how are they going to handle that success and keep it going in the right direction? And – I mean, let's be honest, it was a tremendous failure. Yeah. I mean, even though they knew it was coming, they were a dealt the adversity. And, and who, who, what team would have survived this adversity? But what, I think there are teams who could have handled it better, and it just it went the wrong way. Yeah, we, we, don't, we, we don't know what it was, but there are specific things in handling that adversity that management didn't like. That's the difference in it all, right? Players, like, that's what we're talking about. Guys, players need to be challenged. Players need to be pushed. If I can make an example yes. here. And it's Are you going to name names yet? 
Yeah, he's like Ned well, Isakoff here in Seinfeld. I've named, I've named John Tortorella. <laughs> now I'm going to name a player that John Tortorella coached, okay? Players, and this was the perfect example of players needing to be pushed. And maybe some of the players on this current roster, regardless of the injuries, needed to be pushed. And an example I'm going to give you, and I know you guys are going to agree, he's no longer here, and that's uh, a bitter pill to swallow for a lot of Blue Jacket fans, but Oliver Bjorkstrand. John Tortorella pushed Oliver Bjorkstrand to the end. Hey, uh, the guy's a great player. Don't get me wrong. But he continually pushed him to the point where I think John Tortorella was as much responsible for Bjorkstrand's development simply because he pushed him and he got him that contract, five years, five million, which ultimately cost him his job with the Blue Jackets when Goudreau came. But it's, it's, it's that example of pushing a player, and there are other players on this Blue Jackets team that you guys all know that just did not achieve what was expected from them, and they weren't pushed as a result by the coach, and I think that's what ultimately cost him his job. I think that's a great point, bringing up Oliver Bjorkstrand there, because he always had the opportunity to be a good player. You know, he's a third-round pick by the Blue Jackets, had big junior numbers, and he's also a nice guy. You know, like he shows up with the Blue Jackets. You're like, okay, here's this nice guy, Oliver Bjorkstrand. We'll just let him play and figure it out. But Torts pushed him. Like, I, I love Jeff bringing that up, that Torts was – it was tough love with Oliver Bjorkstrand, and he brought him to that other level. And, you know, I think you can bring it up with a player like Pierre-Luc Dubois where maybe it didn't work out as well between those two. But but it did. But yes, It when, worked out yeah, for his career. Yes, exactly. When, when Pierre-Luc Dubois was playing angry, he was at his best, and Torts brought that out of him. So I think that's a terrific point brought up by, by Rimmer there. Well, it is very interesting. There's, such, there's a narrative out there that Torts was terrible for young players. And I think if you look at the young players that thrived under his leadership, it was – that's a total fallacy. Mm-hmm. And Albert Bjorkstrand being on that list, you know, think of guys like Josh Anderson, who was a fourth-round pick. Cam became, Atkinson at Cam times. Cam Atkinson was a sixth. You know, all these guys who were probably overachieved in their careers because of that tough love of John Tortorella. And Brad Larson was hired to sort of continue that that culture and that and being a development guy because we talked about how young this team was. And I think you can point to Kirill Marchenko had a great year. Ken Johnson had a very good year. But I honestly don't know how good Brad Larson was as a development coach. And that's right. something we'll figure out down the road. Torts had six years, and the proof's in the pudding there. Brad only had two. But I just don't know the answer. I don't know how he pushed those guys. He talked about doing it and talked about video sessions and conversations, things like that. But I know the Tortorella method worked, and I also know that they're going to need a coach that's going to have that ability to keep bringing along young guys as they go forward. And that maybe links us to another point of discussion as to where this whole thing goes now. <laughs> well, hold on. we got a lot of people a lot of people that want to come on this show. Right. I, I know. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm trying to take over host Bob. I'm sorry. So let's, be quiet. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let, let's be quiet. Let's be quiet. Let these people down. talk. Calm down. Just a second. Dave has been waiting patiently. Hello, Dave. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. So I just wanted to call in and say the the primary goal of this season supposedly was to make the playoffs, but the secondary and maybe more achievable goal was to create a, def- a defensive system for this team. Um, and obviously with the six guys on the back, it was pretty much a rotating turnstile of players who came in and really gave it their all. But there's more to it than just those six guys. Um, and then the management change today would indicate that that objective was a failure for the season. I wanted to see if you guys would agree with that statement or how you felt that the defensive system between last season and this season maybe changed and we could look forward to next season on building upon that. Look, when Zach Wierenski goes out two weeks into the season, 
your plan is out the window. Yeah, I just don't feel like we ever got the opportunity no. for it to be fully put in place. Look, you had <laughs> Wierenski's out for the year, two to three weeks in. Jake Bean's out a week later for the entire year. Adam Boquist is out for eight weeks, and Nick Blankenberg is out for eight weeks. All of that happens in the first month. So you have four of the six guys that you started on opening night that are done long-term, two of them for the entire season. So all of that was gone. Like, the, the defense, it, it wasn't that strong at the beginning. And then it was completely weakened after all of that happened. So as far as a defensive system, you know, you really didn't have much of a chance at it. But I, but I will say this, and I, and I do mean this, and we've talked about this. Um, look, the goaltending is – the goaltending has – something's got to happen there with the goaltending. It, Elvis Merzlikens, this is now two years of struggle, the first one under uh, the first year of this big contract. I don't know how they're going to fix it. I don't know if they can get him straightened out. I don't know if they can move his contract. But, uh, you know, you can have all the defensive systems in the world, and it helps the goaltender, but then the goaltender has to be able to stop a puck. It is a funny thing, right, because when a goalie has a good season or like when Sergei Bobrovsky had Vesna caliber seasons with the Blue Jackets, everybody's like, well, yeah, John Tortorella's defensive system was in front of him, though. Yes, and now it's yeah. like, well, the Blue Jackets have bad defense, so the, it's okay when the goalies don't make the saves. Yeah, it's, right. It is funny how that works. <laughs> but the goalies have to be better. And when it comes down to it, like, yeah, systems matter, but the players are the ones playing the games. Like, you need good players to execute. It doesn't matter what the system is. If you don't have the guys out there to do it, it's not going to work. All right, little Boomer. <laughs> little Boomer's up next. Morning, gentlemen. I'm just going to leave it at morning instead of good because we don't know yet. We'll find out in a year or two. But uh, It's not going to take that long. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> but with uh, the last coaching search when they hired Larson, it seemed like they only interviewed three or four people. Is it going to be a little more in-depth? And I know you've talked about it on your show, Bobby, that uh, with Tortorella, he has a shelf life, and we probably kept him a year longer. Now, COVID had something to play in that. So with this next hire, how much longer is Yarmo's rope before they start looking at the front office? Well, you guys get off here and listen. All right. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. I mean, well, it uh, and he was kind of asked that this morning. Aaron Portsline uh, asked him that there. And it, look, it after the coaches go, the, the GM comes into the spotlight. But I, I'm not even worried about that right now. But Jeff Rimmer, you know, it like he just said, they only looked at two or three guys. We have no idea how many guys that they looked at. They're not going to tell you, hey, we talked to 15 play. Uh, 15 people before we hired Brad Larson for this job. Um, so we have no idea what's going on there. But, and I think Jeff Sabota was trying to start this, uh, you know, where, what direction are they going now? And Jeff Rimmer, I'll ask you this. Pascal Vincent's a good guy. He's been here two years. He's been the assistant coach. He came from outside the organization. I think now they do have to go outside the organization. Uh, does he qualify as being an outsider, even though he's been here the last couple of years? No, I think he is. And, and that was indicated uh, very clearly by Yarmo. He said it on more than one occasion this morning that uh, they'll also look internally for uh, the successor here to Brad Larson. Uh, hey, we don't know, as you said, how many uh, people were interviewed, how many prospective coaches the Blue Jackets actually interviewed in their last search. But understand one thing, and they did meet with a number of coaches, and they kept coming back to Brad Larson. They felt that Brad Larson... He was prepared for his interview. He was interviewed, from what I understand, more than a couple of times. And they just felt that at the time and where the team was, he was the perfect candidate for the coach. They talked to several others. I know for a fact of a few people, including Gerard Gallant, uh, who eventually got the New York Ranger job, 
And quite frankly, uh, I'm pretty close to Gerard. He, for the longest time, even though the Rangers were out there lurking, he really was attracted to the Columbus job. Uh, I think had the team been further along in their development, and remember, this is before Johnny Goodrow arrived, he might have been more of a serious candidate. Eventually got the Ranger job, and he's now getting ready to play against the New York uh, or the New Jersey Devils in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But, uh, yeah, they did an extensive search. How many people they uh, actually brought in and interviewed, I don't know, but they did talk to Brad Larson on a couple of occasions, and the more they talked to Brad, they liked what his game plan was, and of course he was there under John Tortorella and had a pretty good handle on what needed to be done moving forward. And, and again, I think he excelled in that first season. But because of the success they had in the first season, I think it really hurt him in year two. Could Gerard Gallant get fired if they lose to the Devils and be available? Uh, I think he could possibly be available, yeah. I mean, that owner there is uh, a wingnut, as everybody knows. Uh, Jim Dolan... Uh, I know earlier on this season, there was talk that Gerard could be moved. Gerard was certainly uh, uh, not very happy the way things were going. And there were all kinds of rumors that a coaching change there was imminent. They turned things around and they're now going to face, uh, they're really, uh, for lack of a better word, they're crosstown rivals. And that's going to be a, a great series to watch. One of the many first round series I'm looking forward to watch. Unfortunately, the Blue Jackets aren't one of the teams in a series. But yeah, to answer your question bluntly, I, I think there's that possibility for sure. You're going to be torn during that series. You've got Gerard Gallant on one side. I know you're close with Lindy Ruff on the other side. And Tom Fitzgerald, who's the GM for the Devils. What are you going to do, Jeff? I'm just going to sit back and watch. <laughs> should be an entertaining series, so that shouldn't be hard. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's go, uh, let's go back to the listeners here who have something to say. And let's get connected up. Got a couple of people. This is, this is popular today, which is good. Saturday morning, day after the season ends. Donald is next up on the show. Hello, Donald. Hey, thanks for having me on. And uh, it's the end of the year, that's for sure. <laughs> but I uh, wanted to get into talk around goalie coach and Manny. And I can't say it wasn't time to make a change, but I guess is, is this a situation where the next coach is going to bring in his goalie guy? Where are we looking at here? Now that that's an organizational, that's yeah, an organizational was... decision. I, yeah. I think uh, – that's up to Jarmo Kekalainen and uh, the rest of the management staff. Uh, certainly a new coach potentially could have input, although they may even hire the new goalie coach before. And quite frankly, you want my bottom uh, line feeling on it? I think they've got to get a, a goalie coach in here as, as soon as possible, and it's got to be one that's going to hold. We talk about uh, tough love and being accountable. They're going to have to have a goalie coach that's accountable uh, and has the players accountable to him, and most notably Elvis Merzlikens. Yeah. That I, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with that. And uh, Jeff Sabota, I think that is one – look, with Elvis, we, we've talked about – I know he's been hurt a lot, but it, it just seems outside looking in, sitting upstairs and looking downstairs, there is a lot of this that is internal between the ears as much as there is between the pipes with him. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you know Elvis, he lives between his ears. I mean, there's a lot going on in his brain, and I think a lot of it is good, and I think it can also cause him trouble because of uh, goalie is a position where sometimes thinking is the enemy. Uh, you just have to go out there and play and trust your instincts, and I think it's been clear at times the last couple of years as some of the struggles have mounted. He has gotten a little bit too deep in his own head, but I, I've also said this a million times, goaltending is weird. I mean, Jonas Corposalo had the year from hell last year, and he had injuries, he had illnesses, he had ineffectiveness, he... Finally got healthy in the offseason, came in different outlook, different mentality, 
and now he's one of the best goalies in the league right now, about to start for a playoff team. So, you know, I have the thought that, you know, I'm not going to give up on Elvis Merzlikens yet because this position is one of the weirdest positions in sports, and it fluctuates from year to year, but there's no question that he has to be a better goalie going forward. Uh, you cannot post the numbers that he's posted the last couple of years and say what you will about the defense and all the things that have happened, but uh, it's in a results business. Uh, he's going to have to be a better player. Do I think it's in him? I do. Uh, it's going to have to be consistent, though. It's going to have to be something that we see on a regular basis. Uh, and, and so there's there's a question mark there. And especially as you go into, even down the, the line, Daniel Tarasov, the injuries he's had going forward. I mean, the biggest question mark to me with this team going forward is, you know, I, I like the young talent in so many positions, you know, especially, you know, we saw young forwards this year. You know, there's young defensemen coming. You've got veterans. You've got a lot of things I like still about this team despite this season. But, is the, the question mark is goaltending. It's a huge, huge question mark, in my opinion. And so the goalie coach becomes a very important hire in that situation. Yeah, let me cut through, I believe, what Jeff Rimmer was saying here, Dylan. Uh, I, I think what we're all talking about is the Blue Jackets need more of a hard-ass goalie coach. Yeah, I'm very, very curious to hear what you guys think about this because it might be a little bit out there, but this popped into my brain. A lot of teams around the league, well, I won't say a lot, but a few teams around the league have really built out goaltending departments with like a high-up goalie guy and then a few consultants, coaches. Like, could the Blue Jackets go in that direction if you really want to get things going? Because as it stands right now, the Blue Jackets have some guys in the pipeline, but you could really build out a goalie pipeline and and have some more hardcore coaching. But like you said, I think that's where it starts. Yeah, you, you got to go back to like a – it all, it all starts with the the rigidity that I that I started with. I think the Blue Jackets just need just need more. I don't want to use the word backbone because I think Brad Larson had a lot of integrity in his coaching staff, but up and down, I think there just needs to be more backbone. Accountability is the word. Rimmer's talked about it already. It's accountability. But I would I would be curious to see if they'd be willing to maybe build out that goaltending department to make sure that you know there there aren't any leaks or anything like that you know that they're airtight when it comes to you know development when it comes to selecting goaltenders to to make it in the NHL in the future you know what i mean like just as many as many voices as you you have and as many voices as you trust to help make decisions yeah jeff rimmer i think if you look at the florida panthers what Bill Zito did down there, you know, he took Roberto Luongo and he put him in charge of goaltending of a department like Dylan's talking about right now. I think that's very possible here. And I think a guy maybe like Nicholas Backstrom, who is in the organization already and has been uh, overseeing the goalies that are over in Europe right now, you know, that might be – he might be a guy. He played in the NHL for a long time. That might be a guy that could head up something like that. And then you can get your, um, you know, a guy for, uh, that – works with the European guys underneath him, a guy that works with the NHL goalies underneath him, and then whoever you have, whether it's Brad Thiessen or if they make a change in Cleveland, uh, you know, all three of those guys kind of reporting to him. That does seem to be a direction teams are going in right now. Oh, yeah, there's no question. You mentioned Thiessen there and, and, and obviously Backstrom uh, over in Europe. But for me, if I was making a hire, if I was the general manager, I would hire one person to deal with the team here at the NHL level and that person, uh, you guys use the expression a hard ass. That's what uh, Elvis needs. He needs some tough love here now. And uh, I'm sure that uh, that is going to be a hire made by uh, Blue Jackets management and with a lot of uh, thought and consideration for sure. You know any guys like that? I'm just thinking off the top of my Besides head Ian here. Clark, because that's what he was when he was here. Well, hey, you can say everything you want about Ian Clark and uh, his Ego as big as Nationwide Arena, but the guy is a terrific goaltending coach, and he's also a terrific goaltending scout. And 
as it turned out, I asked him when we were in Vancouver, and I think you were right there with us, uh, Bob. Certainly Jody was there. And I asked him, I said, what's with Elvis? And he, and I'm being blunt here now. He said, without hesitation, you can't be friends with your goaltender. It's got to be a coach-player relationship. And that says it all. Yeah, I, I was there when he said that. And I was also there when he said that his wife is bugging him to move back to Columbus, too. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on in Vancouver with him. I mean, he's... I think he has a contract there, but who knows? What were you going to say, Jeff? So you finally got Rimmer to name names by naming the name for him. No, that's he named <laughs> Bjorkstrand before. <so. laughs> Rimmer, that was stand, an easy one. Rimmer, stand up for yourself here. Come on, take this guy on. Oh, you're doing a good job. I'm just sitting back there. And looking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Eric is up next uh, on today's special skate space as the Blue Jackets have parted ways with their head coach, uh, Brad Larson. So, uh, Eric, go ahead and unmute. And you can come on the show. We've got Eric and then two more before we wrap things up. Hello, Eric. Hello. Thank you. Um, so, obviously, obviously uh, I'm from Finland. And like like following Blue Jackets when there's Patrick Laine and guys. guys. And now when the head coach isn't there anymore, um, what do you think about the next, next head coach? Uh, it's going to be... Uh, is there a possibility about European head coach or um, maybe maybe coach in the coaching team? Um, and what what I mean is two weeks ago uh, in a podcast hosted by Antti Mäkinen and Kimmo Timonen, um, Jukka Jalonen, the Finnish, Finnish head coach, um, was was guest in in the podcast and what he said. He's open to any 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 offers, um, on the on the NHL uh, NHL teams and coaching coaching teams. So, what do you think uh, are blue blue jackets uh, going with, um, um, head coach from the from the USA or are they open to um, possibilities from the European side? Well, Eric, thank you for that. Really appreciate it. I think they're open to anything at this point in time. I, I really do. I think it's, um, I think it's wide open for anybody. Um, Jeff Sabota, you're the insider. What, what, what do you think about this? And especially, in, in no surprise that the Finnish coach is being asked about with Yarmo being Finnish and with a, a guy that's had a lot of success, the World Juniors, the Olympics, and all that stuff. Well, as you said, I think no doors are closed because you'd be—I mean, I think you'd be stupid to close any doors right now. Uh, you know, you have a brand new coaching search. You want to, you know, listen to every probably voice that you have in that situation. Do I think they would go that route if if it's the right guy? Do I think they will go that route? I do not think they will go that route. I think with the situation that you just had with a first-time NHL head coach, and and I know it's probably a little bit different with a, a guy who has extensive experience, you know, kind of coaching over the European level, the pro level and all that things uh, that that guy will have a little bit more experience being a head coach than, than Brad Larson has. But I think you showed the situation these past couple of years that, you know, it's hard to be a first time NHL head coach. There's so many things you have to learn. There's so many things you have to do differently. Uh, you know, Brad Larson had been here for, as I said, for a long time in this organization. And I still think he was a little bit overwhelmed and taken aback at times by all the things you have to do as a head coach. Uh, I think that puts the Blue Jackets in a situation where you want somebody with a little bit more experience. Uh, and so I think that's the route they're going to go. But, you know, I think you'd be dumb not to listen to all the options out there. 
to, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about Yuka Yalanen and the coaching style or if he is a hard ass, I guess, is the word that we've been using for, for lack of a better term. Uh, I'm sure you look into it, right? I, I agree with Jeff. I think you you hire an established NHL head coach, a guy that's been there before. Just look around. I mean, there are names available, right? You might not like to hear them, but, you know, uh, a Claude Julian, uh, Mike Babcock, Peter LaViolette just, just got let go. I mean... There are names out there that have been established in this league before, right? So I think the Blue Jackets go in that direction. That's the direction I would go if I were hiring. I wouldn't want another first-time NHL head coach. Yeah, hey, Jeff Rimmer, I, you know, whenever this comes up, and I I know this is not fair, so let's let me put that out there immediately. But when I think about European coaches, Ivan Holinka always comes into my mind when Craig Patrick brought him into Pittsburgh. And I talked with Craig about that years later. And, of course, he had Yager there, and that was a big deal. But – uh, and this wouldn't be the case with a Finnish coach, but, you know, Holinka had a language barrier. That was that was a major thing. Plus, he was a first-time coach in the National Hockey League. But, but Jeff, I'll ask you that, too. You know, coming you know, coming over from Europe, we always talk about the players having to make the adjustments. A coach would have to do that, too. And if you feel like you're in a mode where it's time now to start going beyond development and going into winning, I don't know if that's uh, the path you're going to take right away. Well... I've got two schools of thought on that. Uh, number one, I, I agree with uh, everything you've said, but let me just throw this caveat. The Blue Jackets, in fact, uh, well, I wouldn't say have the most, but there's a number of European players on the Blue Jackets hockey team. Would that perhaps uh, be a factor that uh, might have an inclination the, for the Jackets to look that way? Uh, I, I say that, but... The bottom line here is I think uh, the, the management, and specifically Jarmo Kekalainen, is going to leave no, no stone unturned here. This is an important hire. And uh, as you guys discussed just as I was coming on the air, uh, this might be Jarmo's uh, last hire. So, uh, hey, you want to make it the, the right one. And that's why I think there would be a lot of thought going into this. And that could or could not uh, help uh, uh, perhaps a European coach getting a first opportunity in the National Hockey League, at least with the Blue Jackets at this time. Let's welcome Chris to today's show, the Safe Light Skate Space, talking about the Blue Jackets making a head coaching change today. Hello, Chris. Hello. Uh, first off, thank you guys for all your hard work throughout the obviously disappointing season, but still, you know. You know, we thought we had the day off today, Chris. You know that? <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um. I know, like, you know, all the injuries was kind of a freak season, but do you see, especially since, you know, the team spent all this money upgrading, you know, we got all the state-of-the-art new facilities and everything, like, any big changes to, like, you know, off-season workouts, you know, how they're going to go about that for, like, you know, training and, and development during the off-season with the players? That's something else that they're going to start looking at immediately. Uh, obviously, the changes started today. Uh, that's something that was indicated uh, by Yarmo a few weeks ago, that, and John Davidson reiterated it yesterday, I'm sure, uh, both on the radio and television interviews that he was part of, director or uh, president of hockey operations. J.D. indicated they're going to look at every avenue that's involved in this organization, and that is certainly something that will be addressed, uh, I believe, really, uh, really soon now that uh, uh, they've made the, the head coaching change here and obviously a goaltending coach change. But it's something that uh, I think the league's got to look at, too. Now, I've talked to a number of former NHL players and uh, players that have significant uh, interest in the NHL, uh, be it uh, 
turning into agents or being a part of a coaching staff or whatever. And the league's got to look at it as well because you're looking at some of the top players and numerous players. Jackets aren't the only team to lose a great number of players. Colorado, the defending Stanley Cup champions, have lost key players here. Now they learn that Landis Cog won't even play in the playoffs. The Montreal Canadiens are right there, player for player, with the Blue Jackets, with the number of man games lost. And it's something that the Jackets are going to look at, but I can also assure you it's something the league is going to look at as well. Yeah, and Dylan, some of these injuries the Blue Jackets have gone through this year are unavoidable. I mean, the the labrum, just the way Wierenski falls into the boards, it's a, it's a bad break, pardon the pun. Um, you know, concussions are hard. To, you can't really prevent that. These things are going to happen, but... Some of these other things, uh, you wonder if they're going to – well, as Jeff just said, it, don't, you don't wonder. They're going to. They're going to look at the overall body of work and, uh, you know, how these players are working. And and I think we will uh, we'll all agree with this is the schedule has just become more brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, there, there's not a lot of rest. At one point, remember when Brad Larson uh, said that he had been trying to hold his team back and, and not expend energy in practice. And then he finally got so mad. He was like, okay, screw that. We're, we're we got to practice. We got to practice hard. Uh, the games be damned. We just have to do it. Um, the schedule doesn't help. It, it, it's not easy, but, but they got to look at everything. Yeah. It's also been a la- a weird last few years with the changing of the schedule and, you know, pushing games up, pushing games back, yada, 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 having to reschedule games. It has been a weird last few years in that sense. So I'll be interested to see if the league does address some changes there uh, or at least talk about some changes there. Um, but, you know, Jeff Rimmer just referenced there the TV and radio interviews that those guys did. And I had the opportunity to speak with both JD and Yarmo each of the last two nights on the radio and they both talked about this. I asked them, you know, what are you guys planning on doing this offseason in terms of evaluation when it comes to some of the training stuff and the medical stuff? And, you know, they said that they they will look into it. Obviously, you have to based off of how bad everything went this season. But they also noted that a lot of the Blue Jackets injuries this year were just unfortunate and a little bit fluky. It wasn't a lot of soft tissue stuff. It wasn't like guys were straining groins or hamstrings or things like that. There were a couple of oblique injuries, but, you know, Erica Branson with a separated shoulder, all the guys that had this shoulder injuries yeah, more shoulders es- I've essentially ever seen. separated their shoulders, and they were all freak incidents in, in which that happened, and that's kind of how it goes with shoulders. But, you know, We've said it time and time again. No stone is going to be left unturned. Like, you got to look into everything, right? Um, but other teams are right there with the Blue Jackets. Uh, Jeff brought up the Montreal Canadiens. Like, imagine being a Canadiens fan this season. You lose the number one overall pick in your eyes, Slavkovsky, and then you lose Cole Caulfield, who looked like he was on the way to, you know, being right up there in the NHL goal leaders this season. Uh, he might have finished the year still leading Montreal in goals, or at least close to it with Nick Suzuki at the top. You know, he played about half the season and had 26 goals this year and then was lost for the rest of the season. Like, those are two of your three most exciting players right there, and you're losing them for the entire year. Like, maybe something does have to change. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll tell you one thing, though. There's not going to be fewer games because yeah. it's money. Right, right. So, <laughs> there's going to be more games. <laughs> Probably. We're talking about going yeah. to 84. Yeah, so do you cut make this? Down, uh, cut down the preseason games. Cut yeah. down the preseason games, start the season earlier, and spread them out more. Yes, there you go. Like you know Bob, what? You know what, Jeff? You think like that's... Yeah, guys he, like Bob McGilligan would love to see uh, preseason games cut down. That's what I was yeah, going right. to say to you. I was going to say, what do you care? You get out of those games. I got to do all those games. <laughs> well, see, I'm thinking about you now. You're a good guy. I don't care what these guys say. Hey, <laughs> hey, Rimmer, I got I got one for you here. Uh, Bucknuts07 sent this tweet. 
It says, Yarmo sounding today that the Elvis experiment may be over. How do you go into next year with Elvis and Tarasov on one-way deals? That means no goalies picked up this summer. My guess is a buyout is coming. I, I don't see a buyout with Elvis. He still has four years left on his contract. But uh, you and I have had conversations about this throughout the course of the year. How can you address that? Is that a contract you could get somebody to take? Um, you know, again, the, the big question mark here is, can Tarasov play an entire season because he didn't this year? And then what do you do if he can't? But but the Elvis thing, first and foremost, Jeff Rimmer, I know you love these contract things and these GM moves in your head. So what would you do with that? Well, number one, he won't be bought out, at least from my perspective. Right. Not any inside knowledge or whatever. They're not going to buy him out. That's four years. That's... Uh, that's quite a hefty price uh, to pay. Uh, I, I think that, uh, again, a lot of this is going to be dependent on what happens as far as the naming of a head coach and a goalie coach and whether that uh, they could resurrect his career. The other alternative, if I could put on my GM hat, and, and that is uh, trade a bad contract for a bad contract. Uh Another thing that you can do even to make it a bigger deal is the Jackets certainly have a lot of assets moving forward. In addition to uh, uh, a number of uh, draft picks, they also have uh, the ability with all the forwards and, and now all the defensemen that we had a chance to see this season, uh, they've got some assets that they could move and it could be a big package and you're taking obviously a contract back and it won't be the first time in the National Hockey League that you see players that uh, have underperformed traded for another player that's underperformed, and especially now with the salary cap such as it is and so many teams up against the cap. So, yeah, they'll, they will find a solution. But I think ultimately and first and foremost, they want to see who they bring in here as a coach and ultimately who they bring in as a goalie coach and can it work in resurrecting uh, Elvis's career because I think we'll all agree two years ago we thought Elvis was ready to take off. And uh, so did the management uh, and coaching staff here. Well, I've, evidently it didn't happen. And now they've got to go one way with tough love and bringing in the right people or look the other way and perhaps uh, try to make a trade. Well, I know one thing, and I've said I'm still bullish on what Elvis Merzlikens can be, what Daniel Tarasov can be. But if I'm Yarmo Kekalainen, I am not going into next season with that as my goaltending tandem without, at the very least, bringing in a veteran potentially because – between the injuries and the way that those guys were up and down performance-wise throughout the season, you, I don't think you can – I know they're both on one-way one way deals. I don't think that can be your only goalies, NHL goalies, going into next season. I think the very least you have to find a veteran that can play some games. If you get into a situation where one of those guys get, gets hurt or you go the route Jeff's talking about where you, you really explore the trade market. Jeff Sabota is the Jim Cramer of goaltending. He's bullish on this, by the way. Stonks, baby. Stonks. And, and, and again, <laughs> the goaltending stonks right now are not soaring. Yeah. They're, the the goaltending goal does stonk right now. <laughs> it's the most important position on this hockey team moving forward, and they're going to have to somehow, some way, find a solution here for this upcoming season. All right, one more thing before we go. Here's a... Dale Bloom has sent this tweet, and it's literally two words, Andrew Brunette. Here's a guy that uh, wound up as the head coach for the Florida Panthers last year when Joe Quenville was relieved of his duties, took that uh, team to the President's Trophy, took them to the playoffs. They got swept by Tampa. He got swept out the door. He's now an assistant with the New Jersey Devils, who, oh, coincidentally, 
have set franchise records and points and wins and and all that stuff. Um, so I guess it's very easy. We're, we were talking about do you recycle coaches or do you look for young coaches? Dylan Tire, I'll ask you. Um, Andrew Burnett, where does that name uh, – What when I say that, how does that resonate with you? It's a little bit tricky for me because he walked into a pretty good situation in Florida, right? Like Joel Quenville's a very, very respected NHL head coach. He was there in Florida for a reason with a team that was very good. They had a lot of good players, a lot of offensive firepower. And then Andrew Burnett – took over with everything that happened with Quenville, and they had a good season, but they weren't good in the playoffs. Now he finds himself in another good situation in New Jersey where it's a group of guys that have been together for a little bit of time now. They're young superstars on that team. They've been trending in the right direction, and he's their assistant coach, right? It's not like he's the guy leading the charge. We'll see how they fare in the playoffs. Like, maybe my perception changes if they go far, and I'm like, well, Andrew Burnett's learned something now, and, you know, he's uh, he's been part of a team that's had a lot of success like that, or maybe they don't show up in the first round and they get bounced, and I'm like, ah, Andrew Burnett, I don't know about this guy. But as far as it goes with Andrew Burnett as a head coach, it's just a little bit iffy for me because, again, I go back to those veteran head coaches that have done it for a lot of years, and I feel like – we're not that far removed from John Tortorella, so maybe you want to do a little bit something different. Like, Andrew Brunette's been there before, but he's not a Claude Julian. He's not a Peter LaVioletti. He's not a Mike Babcock, the names that I brought up earlier. And, you know, I just think you have to get it right this time, and I think you have a better chance of getting it right with one of those guys than a guy that is maybe a little bit of a retread. Like, he showed that he could be something, but maybe not. Jeff Rimmer, have you talked to Lindy Ruff about him at all? Talk to Lindy Ruff about uh, Burnett, Burnett being on his staff. No, no I just no, wonder. No, I've not talked to him about. It. I've talked to Tommy Fitzgerald about him though. Oh, okay. Tommy Tommy Fitzgerald played with Burnett. They played together uh, earlier in. Uh, uh, I, I think it was Nashville is where uh, Tommy was at the time that Burnett was there. So uh, before he, Burnett ended up in Minnesota and was a pretty important player there. And uh, if memory serves me correct, Burnett also played under Jacques Lemaire in Minnesota, and uh, that would be quite a learning experience. You want a hard-nosed coach, but a successful coach, there's a name. And while you guys are throwing out all these uh, veteran names, Dylan, you just mentioned his name. Joel Quenville is dying to get back into the National Hockey League. Does he end up with one of these jobs that open up? I'll tell you what, he's a very successful coach. He's a Stanley Cup champion uh, a few times over. And uh, I think that uh, the National Hockey League's commissioner, Gary Bettman, may be ready now to allow him and take the, the suspension off and allow him to return to the NHL after a lengthy meeting in the NHL offices in New York. But there's another guy that uh, could resurface somewhere, somehow, and he's a damn good coach. Yep, I've thought about that name. Very, very good coach in the league, but you never know. Yeah. That's a tough situation. Yeah, and, and I think, Jeff, what you just said is uh, the fact that he has to be cleared I think is why, yeah, his name comes up in my head, and then I'm like, oh, I don't know, that's a lot of. Well, for a situation like this one, that's yeah. a lot to cut, a lot of baggage to yeah. come with it. I think yeah. so. well, well, he's going to get back in the league, guys. Oh no, I, I agree. I, I agree with you on that. I do. Well, what you talking about Andrew Brett earlier though? Who was uh, who was his goalie in the playoffs last year? Sergei Bobrovsky. Well, are you going to hold that against him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. Sheesh>. well, <laughs> all right, all right. We're going to wrap it up. Jeff Rimmer, final thoughts. You have anything? Yeah, I was uh, debating on the air last night with uh, Jody as to who starts in that Florida-Boston series. He says you've got to keep going with the kid Lion, who's 
got them there with a strong finish. I'm saying, no, you've got to go to Sergei Bobrovsky. That's a debate we can talk about the next time we all get to. I, I have 10 million reasons that I back you on that, Jeff. What do you do? Hey, Jeff Rimmer, what do you do if you're the L.A. Kings? Who's starting in that series? Well, Copley's had a, an outstanding season. I was looking at his numbers and Corpus Allo's numbers. I'll tell you, I really feel bad for Corpus Allo because, and, and Jeff alluded to it, uh, Jeff Insider, that is. <laughs> uh, the fact that Corpus Salo not only had a bad season last year, but he also struggled the season before. He has been dealing with that hip injury, and he tried to play through it. Had he gone ahead initially and had the surgery that he had last offseason, I think we might be sitting here talking about a whole different goaltending mm. situation. Absolutely. And he, okay, to his credit, he tried to play through that injury for two years and wanted to keep playing because he wanted to help the Blue Jackets. He's a terrific kid, and he's loved in that Blue Jacket dressing room. But, uh, hey, I think he hurt himself and he hurt the team by continuing to play. Now, as far as who starts in L.A., I tell you, I think you got to go with Corpus Allo. Not even debatable to me. You have to go with Corpus Allo, the way he's played this year. Yes, absolutely. And the play, the previous playoff experience he has, too, should that should over factor Copley. in. Yeah, yeah. yeah over Copley, absolutely. Phoenix Copley is Phoenix Copley Let's, at the end of the day. <laughs> Nothing against Phoenix Copley, but and, you know, you could probably, if you're an outsider, you'd probably say the yeah, same thing. Yeah, if you're a Kings about, fan, you're like, well, Jonas Corpus is bad with the Blue Jackets. Yeah, you could yeah. say that too, but I think the way he's played the entire season. I mean, L.A. was 31st in the league in save percentage when they traded for Corpus Allo, So let's All right, not say All right, we're, we're way up to topic now. This is, this is another, <laughs> yeah, let's get back. Closing, another closing show. remarks. When's another our, show for another time. Yeah. Jeff, you have anything else uh, to tell us about this uh, coaching change? Anything else on your mind before we wrap it up? I think you're going to see a few uh, more changes, perhaps a general manager or two in the National Hockey League here in the days and the weeks to come. It all depends on how teams fare here in this first round. And if there's going to be upsets, because there always uh, are, I think that uh, we're in for a great offseason with a lot of hockey interest, a lot of hockey news, and a lot of hockey excitement with what goes on on the ice during these Stanley Cup playoffs. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for joining us today. We enjoyed it, buddy. I enjoyed it as well. All right. Final thoughts from you guys. Jeff Sabota. We'll go Jeff to Jeff. It sounds like we just started a playoff preview show there. Maybe we need to do that one. <laughs> I know. Time. I don't like you guys are ready to take <laughs> off. Like, what are we doing here? We're, we're talking about one thing and you guys want to go all day. Let's just wrap this up. <laughs> We've got players talking to us right next door. I got to go hear what some guys have to say. Yeah. Come on. Very good point. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, it, it's a pivotal day in the history of the Blue Jackets. They've made the, a, a line in the sand that they want to go a different direction. I think it's a huge hire for the future of Yarmouk Kekalainen, for the future of this iteration of Blue Jackets, because they they've built a good young team, they think. And I, I would agree, but you, you know, you're starting to see the makings of these last couple drafts come out in the wash, and it's starting to look pretty good, in my opinion. They've got a lot of good young players. You need the right guy. Uh, what happens over the next couple months is going to be tremendously critical for five to ten to maybe even 15 years of Blue Jackets hockey. So it's going to be pretty interesting to watch, in my opinion. All right. Dylan? One of, if not the biggest offseason in Blue Jackets franchise history for a number of reasons. You already have the opportunity to get the number one overall pick. On top of that, you're going to be hiring a new head coach. There are more moves that have to be made, obviously, for this team, adding some veterans maybe to the forward group, I think definitely on defense. We already talked about the goaltending situation, so I'm really, really excited for it. But uh, just want to say... Thanks to Brad Larson also, because I really, really respect respect Brad Larson, like him a lot. Um, don't want to make it sound like we're bagging on him too hard or anything like that, because that's kind of what we did at the beginning of this. But uh, 
you know, he was really gracious, really nice, always answered any question that I had for him. So, you know, the entire coaching staff, uh, thanks to thanks to all those guys for for being nice to me over over the last couple of years here and and being generous with their time no I agree with that 100 percent and uh, you know as I said I got Brad Larson before each and every game he was gracious with his time gracious with his answers uh, I told him that yesterday after we did that final interview and shook hands uh, at the end of the season um, he will be missed here there's no doubt about it and he will look good on Philadelphia's bench next to John Tortorella <laughs> next year as an assistant um, but anyway because I do feel that he's going to wind up somewhere in yeah. the National Hockey League he needs to he's he's a good coach and again I, I mentioned Manny Legacy earlier I consider him a, a close personal friend and he's been uh, great to me it's been uh, a great experience being around him and learning from him and and hearing all the old stories I mean nobody can tell you Dominic Hasek and Cujo stories like Manny Legacy as he can and, and and they're they're incredible so I've enjoyed being around those guys but yes it's uh, obviously time for a change and the Blue Jackets do have a huge decision Yarmo Kekalainen has a huge decision we'll see which way he goes will it be another young and up-and-coming coach um, a guy like uh, you know a, a guy that did they talked to last uh, time around Mike Bellucci who's an assistant coach in Pittsburgh who won a Calder Cup with uh, Charlotte in the American Hockey League could that be a name that resurfaces here I, I mean things in Pittsburgh they're a little bit in turmoil there with uh, the firing of Brian Burke and Ron Hextall, but Mike Sullivan's going to keep his job because he has a contract for a long time. And, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens. There are guys out there, and as Jeff Rimmer said, there are going to be more guys available as uh, as it goes along, and there are upsets in the playoffs. So, hey, but I want to thank you for joining us uh, today here on this uh, day after the season ends, pretty early on a Saturday morning to, to talk about this. And thanks to all of you that came on and had your input and asked your questions, made your comments. Um, you guys are really what makes it go around for us, that we can sit here and get this kind of interest about this team, even after a season like we just finished up last night. So thank you very much. Don't forget the draft lottery is coming up on May the 8th, and the Blue Jackets hope that they can um, pull off that number one pick. They still have a good chance of doing that. But after that night, we're going to find out exactly where they will pick in the draft that will take place the last week of June in Nashville. So between now and then, I'm sure we're going to be in touch. You can follow us all on Twitter. Find us on Twitter. and. Um, you stay up to date with what's going on with the Blue Jackets at BlueJackets.com, especially through the Jackets insider, Jeff Sabota, because he, if, if he doesn't have it, nobody has it, right? Sure. I'll make business cards and T-shirts. That's that. what you should do. You should and we've got lots of pre-draft coverage coming. So yes. don't we're not going to be going anywhere. No. Lots of pre-draft coverage stuff. So if you're interested in learning about what the Blue Jackets could possibly do coming up in late June, I'll have all that stuff for you. And if there's any prospect you haven't heard from in the system, Dylan will talk to them between now and the draft. I can guarantee you that. Because <laughs> I've that's what to, he does. I've literally talked to all of them. I oh, think. you have? Yeah. You're done? I guess uh, Mikhail Putia is the only guy that I haven't had the chance to yet. Nice run, a, run across yeah, the I'll hall. Right. Well, yeah. I don't know. He might <laughs> be back in Cleveland. You can get him. Oh, yeah, that's right. They all got sent down, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. All right, get your cards. Two hours. You'll get there. <laughs> I'll all be right. in Cleveland at some point. Once again, thanks to all of you for being with us. That's going to do it for this special Safe Light Skate Space. The Blue Jackets changed their head coach. Brad Larson is no longer the head coach of the franchise. Manny Legacy is out as the goaltending coach. And now the search begins for those two positions and more as we go along. But for Dylan Tyre and Jeff Sabota and Jeff Rimmer, I'm Bob McKellar. Delegate saying so long and thanks for listening.